In this episode of Wanted, a midlife hobby, we are going to hop to it and explore the hobby of home brewing. Dan Brody and Chuck Hughes, two home brewers from the greater Washington, D.C. area, are going to distill the principles of creating the right brew in a way that won't make your brain boil over from too much information. All right, wonderful. I've got two gentlemen here I cannot wait to talk about because the topic is beer and what a great topic to have. And I'm going to ask the both gentlemen just to introduce themselves, uh, just kind of say their name. Uh, and um, in a couple seconds, I'll follow up and ask them more about like how they each got started. But let's just start with names and maybe what you actually do for a living. So Chuck. Hi, uh, my name is Chuck Hughes. Uh, I'm in sales and I uh, sell so voting automation controls for uh, heating and air conditioning for commercial systems. Outstanding. Thanks. And Dan. Uh, Dan Brody, and uh, I'm uh, I'm in the medical industry field. I'm a doctor. Fantastic. Okay, so uh, two great guys here. I want to start with the first question because it's like you'll notice I wasn't really specific about what to call this. Uh, you know, is it home brewing? Is it craft brewing? Is it like what would you call if I said put a label on this hobby? What would you guys call it? For yeah. for me, I would say home brew. Yeah. Um, for me, it's home brewing. Uh, I don't know about Dan. So yeah, I would say home brewing. Home brewing. Okay. How long have you each been doing it? Uh, maybe I'm like maybe three, four years now. I want to say f- maybe with this. Uh, oh my gosh, 2021. Um, I want to say five, five or six years. Yeah. All right. I'm glad. I was afraid one of you would say since I was like 14, and then I'd be a little concerned. But that that's that's good. <laughs> Not even close. Not well, even I did. Close. I, I did briefly do it in college. Yeah. But uh, but that kind of went nowhere because <laughs> I finished that thought, Dan. Why did it go nowhere? <laughs> uh, it, it was you know the, the the technology and the every the the everything that you need to do it is now so much more accessible than it was back then. So 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 this would have been like in you know basically the late eighties. Uh, you there might have been like one homebrew shop like fifty miles away nobody knew what they were doing there was no there was no way to control anything and it just it was too much for for a college student to to handle with with the limited scope of attention you know so, so, so what got you actually what inspired you to get started then since you were in college why why would you give it a shot for love of the product <laughs> i'm sorry what a silly question <laughs> <laughs> hey man we should make beer that way we can have lots of beer okay yeah. I think somebody had a spare refrigerator and, you know, so we got a, a couple of, uh, a couple of plastic, uh, uh, buckets and some extract kits from a homebrew shop and some really gnarly yeast and cook stuff up on the stove and let it ferment and put it into bottles and, you know, drank it. <laughs> kind of like a one-time thing. <laughs> it sounds like it. a one-time thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, Chuck, did you get started also for love of the product, or did you have anything else driving you? Yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, um, for a long time, I think I had, I wanted to homebrew. Um, I was a craft beer drinker long before I became a homebrewer, and then um, five or six years ago, I was on the road with a brand new boss, like he was my new manager, and we're we're driving and we're meeting all our customers and. He brings out this Zymergy magazine and we start talking about homebrewing. I'm like, wait a minute, you're a homebrewer? He goes, yeah. And I said, I've always wanted to do this. And, you know, bing, bang, boom. Next thing you know, I'm homebrewing. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm an engineer uh, from an education standpoint, mechanical engineering, and so you know, my mind has always worked in that like methodical, just you know, recipe kind of. I'm I'm very um, uh, oriented from a standpoint of like you do this, 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 and this, and and you know, home brewing is is very in that in that vein, and so. Um, you know, he got me into it and, you know, once I started and I saw, I thought, I thought it was really complicated and it can be right. Like homebrewing can be complicated, but it can be extremely simple too, right? It can be as as simple as you want, as you want it to be. And once I realized how simple it was to make my own beer, um, I was like, oh my God, this is great. I can make anything I want to make. I mean, you can make a Pilsner or you can make a, I mean, my wife wanted me to make a, what was it? A, a, it was a salted caramel brown ale I made one year, right? Mm. So that's the beauty of homebrewing. Just what do you want to make? Make it, right? So yeah, that's that's kind of how I got into homebrewing. So how steep is the learning curve? How about, how difficult is it to kind of get the hang of it? Sort of the the idea behind it's pretty simple, but um, you definitely have to have machinery that will let you achieve certain things. So you need to be able to. Uh, maintain very specific temperatures uh, of, you know, of heating your water and keeping it at a certain temperature um, for, for the right period of time. Um, and then the aspects of like fermenting the beer once you've brewed it is also something that can be finicky um, because again, you have to try and control temperature um, yeast doesn't like it too cold. It doesn't like it too hot. You've got to, you've got to kind of pamper them just a little bit. Um, but you can, these days, I think with the quality of the ingredients that's around now, um, basically you can take malt and water and yeast and you will have beer, you know, that will be drinkable. Absolutely. Um, so, so it's, it's, please tell me drinkable is not your objective though. I mean, is that, is that the, is that where you're setting the bar? Yeah, no, you, you want you, you want something that's really good, obviously. So you want to, but, but it, you can get something that's passable without too much trouble. Um, and I guess like anything else, when you're trying to get to something that's really expert and really awesome, um, then it becomes like logarithmically harder to get to something that's just absolutely perfect. Um, just so, you know, that's where I think a lot of the, you know, the big breweries or the, the more, the pro guys have advantages there, I think. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Dan's spot on. I mean, homebrewing can be as simple or as complicated as you want to make it. I mean, honestly, you can take, you can take extract, whether it be dry extract or liquid extract, and you can boil it in a pot of water on your stove and you can throw in some hops and you can chill it down and put it in a, a, a fermentation vessel and throw in some yeast. And in a couple of seven to 10 days, you have beer, right? I mean, it can be as simple as that, right? And is the beer drinkable? Sure. Is it any good? Who knows, right? It depends on how good you are with whatever you're doing. But that's the beauty of homebrewing is, you know, I, I know a lot of homebrewers, there's a lot of folks in our in our homebrew club that are very fluid with let's just say rules and regulations of homebrewing and they make really good beer. They really do. And I'm very particular. I'm, I'm a, I'm an engineer. So I'm very particular. Dan's talking about temperatures and he's talking about times and he's talking about 
pitching the yeast. And so, you know, that's, that's one of the fun things about homebrewing is that it can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. And it depends on like, what do you like to drink? I mean, I give, I give my friends my homebrew. I'm like, honestly, tell me what you think. And everybody's like, Oh, it's so good. And I'm like, okay, you're not giving me any feedback. I mean, I'm going to drink my homebrew, whether it's good or bad. You know, I want to make my brew to be as good as it can be. And that's the great thing about homebrewing. You can, you can be very simple with extract or you can get extremely complicated. It's, it's, it's a fun hobby. It really is. But one thing I'm noticing both of you, if the, and, and maybe I'm assuming facts, not an evidence, so to speak, but you guys both have, it sounds like a very scientific approach to this. You know, we've got an engineer, we've got a doctor, so I could see where that would be. Is there an art that, you know, how would you talk about the art side of all of this? I, I, I wouldn't say it's terribly artistic. Would okay. you, Chuck? I don't know. I wouldn't use that I, word. You know, I, yes, yes and no. Okay, so... <laughs> You're 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 talking to two two guys who are very particular, and and, and Dan and I've had a lot of conversations about this. Uh, about we're very particular about our process, right? It's it's time, it's temperature, it's all these things. Um, I think homebrewing can be very artistic. Um, my wife, who started homebrewing with me, and she's not so much involved anymore, is an artist. And for her, it's like, oh, well, throw in a pinch of this and do a bit of that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, we can't do that, right? Because (laughs) that's not part of the recipe. And that doesn't, you know, but if you go look at some of these guys, um, and I'm thinking like specifically locally, right within the the Montgomery County, Maryland, um, you know, homebrew or not homebrew, but like even professionally brewed. um, Let's talk about Sanctuary Brewing in Rockville, Maryland. Um, so Tony Prebla, he is very experimental um, in terms of the beers that he makes, and he's very good. Tony is a very good brewer, and he makes some really good stuff. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that he tosses the rules out, but he's pretty creative with what he, get, with what he does, um, and he doesn't necessarily prescribe to a lot of what's going on in the craft brew industry, where if you don't have a hazy on tap, you're not going to make it. Right, you got to have two or three hazies on tap in the craft brew industry to make it these days. Um, Tony is very creative, um, and you can be, and that's the great thing about homebrewing is that you can be very creative with what you do and your ingredients and, and what and you know whether it's the yeast or the hops or the adjuncts. So. Totally, I, I think you have to. The, the challenge is remembering what you did and why you did it and what you're going for um, when you when you start to experiment. You just you just like. So and that and that's actually like that science, right? You 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 need to keep a a book or uh, at least a, a record of what you did. Otherwise, you know why did you do it, and 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 you won't be you know or you won't be able to reproduce it. So 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 it's so so there's definitely like art in terms of uh, making it taste a certain way and adding a an ingredient or changing this or changing that, but. Um, there should be some theory behind what you're doing, at least in your own head, I think. And- All right, that, that makes sense. Now, and, and let me build on that a little bit because I'm, you know, anybody who's listening can't see you both and can't tell that both of you have homebrews in front of you right now. And so, you know, so Dan, 
Bill, Bill did maybe just <laughs> build on what you were saying, I guess, a little bit. So tell me how, you know, what, tell me a little bit about what it is, the, the homebrew that you had first, Dan, and then I'll ask you Chuck the same thing. Tell me about what it is you just drank and kind of how you got to that particular brew. Oh, this is, so, you know, this is just a beer from uh, somebody else's recipe that I just, you know, tried. It's a traditional uh, spring German beer. A type of lager called a Maybach. Um, and it's, I've been, I really like IPAs and pale ales and, uh, and I like Pilsners and this is something a bit different. It's more on the darker side. It's got some sort of sweetness to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it, I, I thought I would give it a shot. I thought I would give it a try It being a traditional spring, uh, uh, sort of fest beer yeah how'd it come out did it come out good it came out good yeah i've, I've uh, so what i do with these with these beers once i'm once i make them is i'll pour them into growlers and i'll take them you know i'll take them to work and give them to to colleagues and uh that's sort of my testing audience i don't know if they know any better but they like them <laughs> that's fair all right I'm Chuck, I'm what do you have in front of you? your test audience yeah <laughs> So I put them into just like one liter, uh, one liter growlers with a with a flip top, pour them right out of the uh, keg and just uh, tell them to drink it, drink it soon. You don't want it to get stale. Yeah, very cool. Chuck, what about you? Yeah, so I'm drinking. All right, so it's completely out of season. Um, I am drinking my winter warmer. So um, this is actually a clone of Twenty First Amendments um, fireside chat. Okay, so this is oh, yeah. a this is a spiced winter ale. It's a it's basically a brown ale. It it almost looks like a porter, but um, it's a spiced ale with um, so mine has uh, ginger and clove and allspice and some cinnamon. Um, this is I brew this every year because my wife says I will brew this every year um, and. <laughs> It's it actually and I enjoy brewing this beer. It's a very good beer, um, and uh, so it's again it's slightly out of season. I'm trying to kick this keg, but um, yeah, this is um, this is a good beer. It, it it turns out really well. It drinks it drinks really nice. It's um, most of my beers are kind of you know I would say medium range ABV in the you know the five five and a half percent range. My my system won't really allow me to get much more than you know, six, 7%, but, um, this is one that, that I, I truly enjoy, um, making every year. Um, it's good beer. It, it turns out really well. And I, I get some pretty good compliments on it. So. so tell me about one that didn't turn out so well. Oh my goodness. Um, Oh, what, oh, what did I brew? This is, it's actually been a few years, but, um, I had a stuck fermentation. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was a, it was a brown ale of some kind that I brewed. I can't remember what happened. Um, but for whatever reason, the yeast just didn't take off. And I checked it after a couple of, I checked the gravity after a couple of days and, and there was obviously no fermentation going on. So I ended up siphoning off, I think probably about a gallon, a gallon and a half. And what I did was I, I boiled up a, an appropriate equivalent of, um, dry malt extract, and you know boiled it up and then chilled it down and pitched it um with some additional dry yeast to get everything going it 
ended up being okay. But I think every home brewer ends up doing that. I mean, right. Sure. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Every home, every home brewer has a boil over. You have stuck fermentation. You have a, you know, you have a stuck sparge. You have, you, everybody runs into these problems. You, when you start homebrewing, you're like, I will never have this problem. You will have this problem. I'm, it's, it's homebrewing. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm assuming then that means Dan, you've had the same thing happen. Yeah. So I, I had, I had a lager that I made a while back and it like, it came out, it just wasn't right. And it, it came out too strong. Um, it had too much alcohol and it, something went wrong with the fermentation. So the, uh, it got a lot of sort of what they call fusel alcohols, which are just these weird alcohols that form when you ferment at too high a temperature. And, and, and it tastes like fucking napalm. Rocket fuel. <laughs> it's like rocket fuel. So rocket I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so, I'm so looking forward to this nice crisp lager. And I'm like, yeah. And then I tried cutting it with just club soda. Um, so I poured some club soda into the keg and I poured the whole thing out after a while. Oh, no. So, you know, it just didn't, nothing, nothing worked. Nothing made it get better. So, uh, so that's, and, and that was a consequence of uh, a fermentation that went, that went at too high a temperature. We'll talk a little more about this midlife hobby right after the break. But how do you learn all this stuff? Like, you know, I've heard a boil over and stuck fermentation. Uh, And I love you guys throwing it out. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. It's just, it's so easy to just accumulate this stuff through uh, forums and uh, the American Homebrew Association and Chuck's in a homebrew club. And there's just, there, there must be, I don't know. How many homebrewers are there, Chuck, in the, in in the country? Oh, thousands. There's got, I mean, tens of thousands. It's just. You know, and and then in all of these um, forums and groups and everything, not only there are homebrewers, but there 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 are pro brewers who will throw in, you know, the, somebody will know somebody who, you know, will give advice or will will help teach. So there's a lot of uh, of learning that you can just pick up on your own over time. Okay. Well, I mean, and that's I mean, you know, Dan, that kind of that's a good segue to, you know, if you. If you go to your local breweries, right, all the local craft breweries, and you get to know the bartenders, you get to know the owners, you get to know the brewers, these guys are going to talk to you. These these ladies, I mean, there's and, and there's some great women in 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 these professional breweries too that are doing a great job. Um, and they will talk to you. They want to talk about brewing, right? And you know, so as a home brewer, I when I started homebrewing, I wanted to have a beer that was going to be like, this is always going to be on tap, right? Yeah. This is going to be, this is going to be my signature brew. And it took me many years and I finally settled on it. And I think, I think both of you gentlemen may have, may have had it is my cream ale, right? That I brewed for the spring fling. And this is this, the, the cream ale is going to be like, this is always going to be on tap in my house. I will brew it multiple times a year because I'm going to drink it all year long. And again, I'm going to go back to Saints Row and Tony Prebola, who is a great brewer. I, I brought him, he kind of helped me develop this recipe and I brought him my first iteration of the cream ale. And he goes, Oh my God, Chuck, this is a great beer. I would put this on tap at my brewery. And I'm like, dude, that's high praise. I, I really appreciate that. So you know what? If you're if you're a home brewer out there and you're listening to this, go talk to your local craft brewery. 
talk to the bartenders, talk to the owners, talk to the brewers. They're going to talk to you. They're going to help you. And they're going to help you figure out your recipes. Um, I have told, and I, and I have brewed locally with some, I've, I've brewed with Kenny Borkman over at, um, at Brookville Beer Farm. Um, these guys will, these, these guys and ladies are going to bring you in. I, I told Kenny, I said, hey, man, I'll sweep the floor. I don't care. I just want to learn. Right. And he's like, oh, no, dude, you're not going to sweep the floor. You're going to work. And I did. I worked. We, you know, we brewed his Belgian double. Um, and it's it's a great learning experience. There's there's so many opportunities for home brewers out there to, you know, to get out and learn and, and get experience um, and make better brew. It's just it's there. But yeah. isn't it expensive, Hoppy? Do you have to I mean, how would you how would you characterize whatever kind of investments you've got to make for this hobby? um it, it can't so yes it so it can really add up <laughs> okay so so the short answer is yes it can be expensive um but it can also be as inexpensive as you want it to be again if you want to boil dry malt extract or liquid malt extract on your stove and throw in some hops and then chill it down and pitch it into a fermentation vessel and pitch in some yeast, it can be extremely inexpensive. The problem is, and, and, and I think Dan will, I think Dan will second this is that once you go down the rabbit hole of, Oh, but I could do this and I could do this. Yeah. And I could yeah. do this. Like once you brew your first batch of beer and you're like, okay, this is drinkable, but how could I make it better? Yeah. There's continual striving for improvement. Like, yes, it's, it's, it's continual. Yeah, because you're it's it's for you're you're striving for perfection, right? Like, how do I make this beer better? How do I get? And so, yeah, so it it can be extremely. I mean, you can buy a kit and brew beer in your kitchen, and it's totally drinkable. And you and your buddies can sit around on the back porch and drink your beer and be content. And it's extremely inexpensive, and that's great. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I, I think like cost wise for just like getting a system and uh, you know, figuring out if you're going to keg or bottle um, you know, you need, you need, you need some sort of mash and boil uh, system. Um, and you know, you got to figure out if you want to do electric or you want to do, you know, fire. Um, but I, probably the the minimum kind of buy-in i think is probably three four hundred bucks right to get sort of the least expensive complete sort of setup that's um, fair yeah. you know i would think and then if you've got money then you can spend five thousand dollars easily hmm. easily spend ten thousand dollars easily um it's crazy um and because they they make these things from things that are just sort of, you know, bulked up coffee urn percolator type deals, all the way up to huge towers of stainless steel and massive control boxes. And, you know, it, it, it's pretty sick what they can do. So you and both have those big steel steel things in your basement, right? Oh, yeah, that is really oh, tall. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big stainless steel vats in the basement. Not even <laughs> and And... So yeah, I don't have that. And and whenever I talk about it, my wife just shuts it right down. I was gonna say <laughs> Courtney, Courtney and Amy are both losing their minds right now. They're like, there's no <laughs> way. There's no, way. Right. no, I mean you can um 
I mean, there's some really good. So I, I, I say recently, it's probably then 18 months. I bought a electric all-in-one system. It's basically brewing a bag, but it's, I bought a um, robo brew. Um, and there's very, there's different versions, right? There's the grain father. Um, there's one, there's a different version. I mean, you can spend 250, 300 bucks and get kind of the all-in-one brew system. And you can, you know, you can do, um, you can do extract brewing, you can do partial mash, you can do all grain in these systems, whatever you want to do. I mean, so for 250, 300 bucks, I mean, you're, you're in the game, right? I mean, it's yeah. not, a, it's not that huge of an investment but i mean again at the same time you can buy a kit and brew in your kitchen with what you've got so it's and 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 to ferment all you need is a uh, you just need a plastic a five or six gallon plastic bucket with a lid um that you can sanitize and uh uh something um something called a uh, just an airlock um and you just need to be able to keep the temperature you know, in the range where the yeast likes and not to have it go too up or down. And one, one great way to do that is just to, you can, if, 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 if it's, if the whole thing is waterproof, um, you can set it into a container of water, um, that will act as a heat sink and just keep the, the temperature stable. Um, uh, or you can use a, an old fridge. That's the best use of an old fridge, get an old refrigerator and, um, you can you can you can hook those up to a con, a, a little controller that'll turn it off and turn it on to keep the temperature um, uh, appropriate so it doesn't get too high or too cold. Well, that is great, and the way you guys talk about it, just I'm impressed. I, I can tell you've been doing it for a couple of years, and not just because you're throwing out terms that are way over my head, but um, it's not hard to pick up on the passion. Now, the question, <laughs> of course, is how do you you know manage? Because I imagine a decent number of people listening to this are going to have a full-time other job, just like both of you have a full-time other job. Is there ever a challenge around managing how much time you're investing in the hobby versus how much time you're investing with the job and, you know, all the other things that are going on in your life? Nah, I mean, I think, you know, these, you know, what do you call a brew day that takes four or five hours, I think maybe six. And usually you can, you can do some stuff sort of the night before to get it all set up. Um, and then you can just, you can get up early and run it and you can be done by 11 or 12, okay. you know, on a weekend. So I'm pretty much on a weekend track for, for, for most of my brewing. I'll do it on a Saturday or on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, I'd say that's spot on. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're trying to, you know, balance the, the family life with, Hey, this is a hobby and I'm, I'm brewing beer. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll actually take a Friday and take a, take a vacation day right from work. Yeah. Like, That's my brew day. Yeah. I, I did that the other Monday. Took yeah. it off. Yeah. So, I mean, there's nobody at home, right. I've, I've got the entire kitchen to myself. I've got my, you know, electric system, blah, blah, blah. And I'll, I'll do my brew day. And then there, there are times where I'm brewing on the weekends and it's like, okay, I'm going to start early on a Saturday or Sunday and I'll get my brew done by, you know, 12, one o'clock I'm cleaned up and I'm ready to go. And then, you know, the rest of the day's family time, right. For, for the wife, kids, whatever. So yeah, I mean, you just got to figure out what works for you and, and for your, your situation. And then, yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and you know, the, the amount of beer that you're brewing, uh, I'm, I'm brewing 
smaller batches, probably in the sort of three to four gallon range. Chuck, you're more like five, right? Five or six. Yep. Yep. Five gallon system. Um, the system I have is something that's actually totally computer controlled called a Pico brew zymatic, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so I can just sort of set it up, load everything into get my recipe together, mill, mill all my grain, measure out all my hops, do my water, get everything loaded up and then can kind of step away from it for a number of hours, um, before, you know, finishing up on, uh, finishing up everything. Um, so I don't know how long that's going to last. So this is, uh, that machine, um, the company that makes the machine actually went under, um, so that when the hardware fails on this thing, I'll be getting something else, you know? So that's, that's one of the problems with, uh, all of these different systems. Um, a lot of them will have proprietary parts, um, and they'll break, you know, but yeah. you know, everything breaks, your car will break, right. You know, it's just a machine. Um, and some, some, some of the machines, uh, out there and systems, um, you know, you can make one that doesn't have any proprietary parts. It's just made out of a hose and, a, you know, hoses and pumps and fittings and stuff like that, um, that, that will never break, but things might need to be replaced. And see, I confess, there is probably coming into this conversation, you guys are going to kill me for this, but my picture of your system was that caricature you used to see on old movies where the hillbilly was out on the hills and had all those pipes hooked up, you know, it was like basically the equivalent <laughs> of having a still. Are you trying to tell me it's different from that? It's not It's not like having a it's, still in your yeah, basement? It is very different. It's a little different from that. It's very different. Um, all right. Yeah, no, no, most of these things are... Uh, you know, they're, they're either sort of big pots, uh, with, uh, uh, usually with a basket that'll fit inside, um, that you use to, uh, sort of steep the grain at a certain temperature. I mean, they're, they're all basically some version of that. Um, and, uh, and once the grains are steeped and then you have the liquid of, that has all the sugars in it, which is called, called wort, um, then you have to boil that. Um, you take the grains away, you just have the wort and you boil it. And when you're doing the boil, when you're boiling it, that's when you add in the hops and you'll add in those hops at different times. Uh, if you start, usually boils are, are an hour. Um, so you add hops at the, at the very beginning of the boil um, and that'll provide most of the bittering kind of flavor into the beer. And then when you add hops later in the boil, like toward the end, like say you got 10 minutes to go or 15 minutes to go, when you add hops then, those hops produce a different character, usually like more of the sort of a floral or a spicy or a citrus uh, character is more of like flavor um, rather than bitterness. Um, and then there's all kinds of things that you can do after the boil when the temperature gets turned off and the, there's no longer, um, it's no longer at 212, it's dropping down to 190, 180, 160. If you add hops then, um, then that imparts a different, even, even other different sort of flavor characteristics. Um, so it's really cool, um, the different um, flavors you can get from 
the different types of hops and when you add them and uh, 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 and how much you add. It's 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 really neat. I hate to tell you this, Dan, but I think you're talking about art. I'm just saying, man. You know, no, no, <laughs> talk about so, the science. So, so I'm you, telling you, you can man. do it artistically, but then you have to remember what you did. Yeah. And you kind of have to have some hypothesis about either why you did it, or even if you did it for no fucking reason, why it wound up tasting the way it does. <laughs> you know, so that you can at least have some story to tell. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh my gosh, that's great. Okay. Um, I want we're, I want to ask you one probably which is like the most important question. Uh, anybody I'm I'm talking to where I'm trying to learn more about all these different hobby opportunities, you know, if I was going to pursue home brewing as a hobby, what is the most important advice you're going to give me? Oh, um, I would say relax, have fun. Everything, everything you're working with, it just wants to be beer. It will be beer. It will be good. And take your time and be patient. Um, and it's a blast. I, I would parrot that. Um, Charlie Papazian, who is the godfather of home brewing. Relax, have fun, have a home brew. Um, if, if you want to get into home brewing, I think a great way to do that is reach out to your local um, home, uh, you know, homebrew store, you know, whether, so we're in the Washington DC metropolitan region, right? So uh, Maryland homebrew up in Columbia. I know there's a homebrew store down in um, seven corners, I think of Virginia. Do they have them across the country? I mean, a lot of. All oh yeah. Place. Yeah. Every, every, just, just about every, you know, medium-sized city is yes. going to have several yeah uh frederick maryland has one um you know reach out to your local homebrew store look for a homebrew club right there's homebrew clubs everywhere and these folks people like me people like dan we are more than willing to engage and get you into homebrewing um it's easy you know there are people who will teach you how to brew if you've never brewed before, there's at least once a year, there's always a homebrew day where um, people who've never brewed before, you get up with homebrewers and they teach you how to homebrew. That's a great way to get into the hobby. Um, and it, do your research online. There's so many research, there's so many resources online for how to homebrew. That's, I mean, I spent probably, my wife will tell you, I spent like three months just doing research online on how to homebrew. Um, before I actually bought any equipment, before I did anything, so um, I would say that's that's one of your best resources is online and or your local homebrew clubs. You know, our club is is great for yeah. teaching people how to yeah. homebrew. So Facebook uh, has got a lot of groups. Yep. Um, you know that 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 are often you know specific to a to a specific system. Like if you got a grandfather, you know, there's a grandfather. Uh, uh, Facebook group for Pico Brew. They've got a Facebook group, um, and so there's this. There's a big online community of people who are trying to do things just like you are, um, and that's where the, there, there's definitely a uh, a group of uh, of experienced uh, people who can who can help you uh, with whatever system or or techniques you're working with. 
Well, here's my strategy. I've got a group of experienced people right here. And so now every Saturday night, I'll come visit you guys <laughs> and uh, you can show me your wares and, and show me what you're doing. I'm not sure I'll ever actually start homebrewing, but I will enjoy myself every Saturday night with you guys. Well, for sure. we definitely do. Uh, we see each other from time to time. And now that the pandemic looks like it's winding down, we'll definitely be uh, can't wait for uh, for some parties and some uh, uh, some chances to to share some stories and some brews. That that's also a good that's also a good strategy, Rob. Um, meet some home brewers; they're always willing to share their beers. Excellent. Yeah, I, I can't think of a better idea. All right. So even if even if my hobby is not home brewing, it might be sampling home brewing, and that'll yes. be a really good hobby. Yeah. As well. so yeah, I like be, that your hobby could be uh, home brew drinking. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. All right. Well, Dan, Chuck, you guys were awesome. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Um, thanks for the time and I'm looking forward to checking this out. Yep. Thanks, Rob. Really appreciate your time, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out our Instagram page, which you can find at midlife underscore hobby or follow us any place you can find podcasts, including Spotify, YouTube and Apple podcasts. And of course, when you find something you like, you should always tell a friend about it. Also, I'd love to hear thoughts and suggestions about other hobbies or speakers. Send an email to midlife.hobby at gmail.com. I'll do everything I can to follow up with you. Special thanks goes to Robert Holden for this episode's inspiration around hobbies. Robert Holden is a British psychologist who works in the field of well-being, and he says, make a commitment to having fun. See your best friends and make time for your hobbies and passions. Hope you'll join us next time for Wanted, a Midlife Hobby. Music